don't know me, um, I am Pastor Raul Toro. I pastor the La Iglesia del Espíritu Santo that meets at 12.30. So I guess I better do my sermon quick or that pastor is going to get really mad at me for not starting on time. But it's, it's great. I know he won't. It's great to be with you today. Like I said, it's been a while since I've been here. But um, I want to talk to you today about the gospel that we read. Um, after the resurrection, Jesus spent 40 days with his disciples, and then he went to heaven. He had lived in heaven before he was born. Heaven was his home. He was finally returning home. But before he left his disciples, he had those important words for them. And you can be sure that they were important words. Jesus would not have wasted important occasions with unimportant words. First, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. And when I hear those words, my mind pictures a father and mother saying goodbye to their son or daughter. If you love me, live as I have taught you. If you love me, you will bring honor to our name. If you love me, keep my commandments. And we don't talk like that today. Words like commandments and rules, they're not very popular. Standing in line, I noticed a slogan on a teenage boy's t-shirt. And it said, training is everything, but rules are not. Stuck in that line behind that boy, I kept seeing that t-shirt. Training is everything, rules are not. I tried to imagine what the boy was trying to say. Training is everything. It sounded like something that he might have heard from a coach. And in every sport, training is nearly everything, isn't it? And I could tell you firsthand, being a coach for the fencing club for over 21 years, that is everything. That is everything, training, over and over and over again. No matter how boring it might be, training is important. And games and matches, they're won or lost on the practice field, where we practice the basics over and over again. But I was confused by the boys' t-shirt. Training is everything, rules are not. After all, what is training but practicing rules or principles over and over until they become second nature. So I finally decided that the boy's real point might not to have anything to do with training. He was probably just trying to say that rules are bad. I wonder if his coach would agree. And Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And Jesus wasn't trying to spoil our fun with empty rules. He was just trying to turn us into winners. You know, life isn't easy, but loving Christ and following his commandments can put us on top. And then Jesus said, I will pray to the Father that he will give you another counselor, that he may be with you forever. Jesus was promising that when he left. That was God's Holy Spirit who would come and dwell in us 
And that is good news. Jesus in his human body could only be in one place at a time. The Holy Spirit can dwell within each of us, wherever we are, all the time. So Jesus promising that when he left, we would receive even greater blessings by the presence of God's Holy Spirit. And then Jesus said, I will not leave you as orphans. You know, the Greek word is orphanus. It refers to a child whose parents have died. People also use it to refer to a disciple whose rabbi had died. Imagine being a young musician who's been chosen to study under a great master. Imagine being a guitarist chosen to study under Segovia. Imagine that great honor. Imagine how much you could learn and such a master could teach you things that you could never learn that anyone else from anyone else. Study under a great master would allow you to develop your skills to their highest levels. It would prepare you to become the next great master. It would prepare you for fame and fortune. Now imagine the first few months of your discipleship. In that short time, you would develop a relationship. And that was always important when, when I was a coach. You develop that relationship because you have to know how to push those buttons, how to get them to do the best that they can in the sport that they're in. You would begin to understand the master. You begin to understand your instrument and your music in the ways that nobody else could teach you. You would find it hard to believe that you would be learning so much. You would wonder where the next year or two of study might take you. Now imagine that the master died. How would you feel? Grief, certainly. Tremendous loss. You would feel abandoned, orphaned, and desolate. And that's exactly the situation that Jesus' disciples faced. They had given up all that they had to follow this star Jesus. And now the star was warning them that he was going to die. It made no sense. If Jesus really was the Messiah, why would he die? And if he was going to die, he must not be the Messiah. And yet he had taught them so much. He had amazed them with the depth of his understanding. He had taught them so far in such a short period of time. And now he was telling them that he was going to die. How did that feel? They felt abandoned. They felt orphaned and they felt desolate. Jesus promised them, I will not leave you orphanous. That's the Greek word, orphanous. Some translations read, I will not leave you orphans. Depends on the translation that you read. But I think that's a good translation, orphans. But then there's other translations that say, I will not leave you 
desolate. And that's a good translation too because it captures the feeling of the person who's left behind. I will not leave you desolate. What kind of place comes to mind when you hear the word desolate? The desert, right? And Jesus' disciples understood desolation. They lived in the middle of the great deserts. To be alone in the desert is truly, truly to be desolate. When I flew across the deserts of Arizona and Nevada, I tried to imagine what it must have been like to cross the desert with only a mule and a canteen. How would that feel? Some people would like it. Some people would enjoy the solitude. But it would be more solitude than I ever wanted. If I had to cross the desert alone, I would, I would feel desolate. Do you remember when Jesus went into the desert? I'm sure he must have felt alone. And to top it off, he was tempted by Satan. He must have felt desolate. Jesus said to the disciples, I will not leave you desolate. And he says to us, he says to us, I will not leave you desolate. And that is good news. We need to hear that good news because we feel desolate now and then, don't we? We would feel desolate if we were lost in the desert. But we feel just as desolate here in Middleburg or even in the quiet of our bedroom. We feel desolate when our lives are in jeopardy. We also feel desolate when we lose jobs, marriages break up, our child is sick. So my question to you, have you ever felt desolate? And do you remember how terrible it was? Now hear what Jesus says. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. So what Jesus was telling us is that God's Holy Spirit would come to dwell in us, to comfort us, to strengthen us, to guide us, to be our constant companion. I'm reminded of the 23rd Psalm. And we all know this. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. And your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, Jesus does not promise that we, we, we will be spared the suffering. He never promised that. Or that we will be spared the valley of the shadow of death. But he does promise to walk with us through the valley and to bring us through it to the other side. And that's really the message of the cross, isn't it? Jesus says, I've been with you through the worst of it. I have taken the brunt of it and have come out whole. I have endured my Good Friday, but I have also celebrated Easter. So take heart, because you shall celebrate Easter also. God is with us in many ways. He has planted his spirit in our hearts, and he is also with us in many other ways. 
And it's interesting because in our Sunday school class, we talked about that this morning. There's a pastor that I could communicate with, and he told me his story. And um, he says, a number of years ago, I learned that I had cancer and might die. In fact, it was clear that I probably would die. I had less than a 50-50 chance of living another five years. We had one child in fifth grade and another one in diapers. That was a Good Friday experience for me and my family. But through that terrible experience, Christ was with us. His spirit filled our hearts and his disciples rallied around us. Christ was with us through his disciples. A Christian friend sat with my wife through the surgery. He and his wife took care of our children, freeing my wife to visit me at the hospital. And other Christian friends came to visit me in the hospital and to celebrate when I was released. And at the time that we discovered the cancer, we were preparing to move to a new church. They had called us and we had scheduled the movers. I had to cancel the movers so that I could have surgery. I wrote the church and told them what had happened. I told them that they would need to find someone else because things didn't look good for me. The church responded by writing cards and letters and by establishing a 24-hour prayer chain to pray for my recovery. They called to wish me well. And those things meant a lot. My wife commented later that when she went to bed at night on the East Coast, she could imagine the church in prayer on the West Coast. When she awakened in the middle of the night, she could imagine the church still in prayer. After then, and then after I was released from the hospital, the church let me know that they still wanted us to come. The call was still valid. They understood that things didn't look good, but they told us to come anyway. And after going there, I went through chemo and radiation. Some days I could hardly get out of bed, but I did my best. The church supported us with prayers, and here I am many years later, still alive. Christ did not leave us desolate. And even if I had died, we would not have been desolate. Christ dwelled in us as the Holy Spirit, and he dwelled with us through his disciples. And Christ does that for us. He doesn't promise that you will never experience hardship, that we will never feel desolate, but he does promise that he will never leave us desolate. He will come to us and he will strengthen us. And Christ often calls us his disciples to reach out to to the desolate in his name. We do that in many ways through this church. We do the food giveaway. We provide clothes for those in need. We bring the gospel to others on mission trips. But to me, the most important is that Good Samaritan and La Iglesia del Espíritu Santo welcomes everyone. Welcomes everyone. The first President Bush talked about a thousand points of light. 
And for sure, there are a thousand points of light in every congregation that loves the Lord. And the inter interesting thing is that when we serve others, we serve ourselves. You know, a person once asked Dr. Carl Menninger what a person should do if they felt a nervous breakdown coming on. And this is what he said. Lock up your house, go across the railroad tracks, find someone in need, and do something for them. Isn't that interesting? A doctor's prescription for desolation. So if you feel desolate, go help someone. James Barry put it this way, those who bring sunshine to the lives of others cannot keep it from shining on themselves. So today, let us remember Christ's promise and take heart. He says, I will not leave you desolate. So let us open our hearts so that God might fill us with his spirit. Let us hear Christ's call to heal our own desolation by ministry to the desolate among us and in the world. Amen.